Section 27 of A Popular History of France, Volume 5. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Popular History of France from the Earliest Times, Volume 5, by François Guizot. Translated by Robert Black. Chapter 40. Louis XIII, Richelieu, Catholics and Protestants, Part 2. The Royal Marine had hardly an existence. After the capture made by Soubise, help had to be requested from England and Holland. The marriage of Henrietta of France, daughter of Henry IV, with the Prince of Wales, who was soon to become Charles I, was concluded. The English promised eight ships. The treaties with the United Provinces obliged the Hollanders to supply twenty, which they would gladly have refused to send against their brethren, if they could. The Cardinal even required that the ships should be commanded by French captains. Quote, one lubber may ruin a whole fleet, said he, and a captain of a ship, if assured by the enemy of payment for his vessel, may undertake to burn the whole armament, and that the more easily, inasmuch as he would think he was making a grand sacrifice to God for the sake of his religion. Meanwhile, Soubise had broken through the feeble obstacles opposed to him by the Duke of Vendôme, and making himself master of all the trading vessels he encountered, soon took possession of the islands of Ré and Oleron, and effected descents even into Médoc, whilst the Duke of Rohan, leaving the Duchess his wife, Sully's daughter, at Castres, where he had established the seat of his government, was scouring Lower Languedoc and the Cévennes to rally his partisans. The insurrection was very undecided, and the movement very irregular. Nîmes, Uze, and Alais closed their gates. Even Montauban hesitated a long while before declaring itself. The Duke of Epernon ravaged the outskirts of that place. Quote, At night, writes his secretary, might be seen a thousand fires. Wheat, fruit trees, vines, and houses were the food that fed the flames. Marshal Temin did the same all round Castres, defended by the Duchess of Rohan. There were negotiations, nevertheless, already. Rohan and Soubise demanded to be employed against Spain in the Valtelline, claiming the destruction of Fort Louis. Parleys mitigated hostilities. The Duke of Soubise obtained a suspension of arms from the Dutch Admiral Haustein, and then, profiting by a favourable gust of wind, approached the fleet, set fire to the Admiral's ship, and captured five vessels, which he towed off to the island of Ré. But he paid dear for his treachery. The Hollanders, in their fury, seconded with more zeal the efforts of the Duke of Montmorency, who had just taken the command of the squadron. The island of Ré was retaken, and Soubise obliged to retreat in a chalop to Oleron, leaving for, quote, pledge his sword and his hat which dropped off in his flight, end quote. Nor was the naval fight more advantageous for Soubise, quote, the battle was fierce, but the enemy had the worst, says Richelieu in his memoir. Night coming on was favourable to their designs. Nevertheless, they were so hotly pursued that on the morrow at daybreak eight of their vessels were taken. Soubise sailed away to England with the rest of his fleet, and the island of Oleron surrendered. The moment seemed to have come for crushing La Rochelle, deprived of the naval forces that protected it. But the cardinal, still at grips with Spain in the Valteline, was not sure of his allies before La Rochelle. In Holland all the churches echoed with reproaches hurled by the preachers against states that gave help against their own brethren to Catholics. At Amsterdam the mob had besieged the house of Admiral Haustein, and the Dutch fleet had to be recalled. The English Protestants were not less zealous. The Duke of Soubise had been welcomed with enthusiasm, and though Charles I, now King of England and married, had refused to admit the fugitive to his presence, he would not restore to Louis XIII the vessels captured from that king and his subjects which Soubise had brought over to Portsmouth. 
the game was not yet safe, and Richelieu did not allow himself to be led astray by the anger of fanatics who dubbed him state cardinal. Quote, the cardinal alone, to whom God gave the blessedness of serving the king and restoring to his kingdom its ancient luster, and to his person the power and authority meet for royal majesty which is the next majesty after the divine, saw in his mind the means of undoing all those tangles, clearing away all those mists, and emerging to the honour of his master from all those confusions. Memoire de Richelieu, page 2. Marshal Bassompierre was returning from his embassy to Switzerland, having secured the alliance of the thirteen cantons in the affair of the Valteline, when it was noised abroad that peace with Spain was signed. Count du Fergy, it was said, had in an excess of zeal taken upon himself to conclude without waiting for orders from Paris. Bassompierre was preparing a grand speech against this unexpected peace, but during the night he reflected that the cardinal had perhaps been not so much astonished as he would have made out. Quote, I gave up my speech, says he, and betook myself to my jubilee. The Huguenots, on their side, yielded at the entreaties of the ambassadors who had been sent by the English to France, quote, with orders to beg the Rochelaise to accept the peace which the king had offered them, quote, and who omitted neither arguments nor threats in order to arrive at that conclusion. Whence it came to pass that by a course of conduct full of unwanted dexterity, the Huguenots were brought to consent to peace for fear of that with Spain, and the Spaniards to make peace for fear of that with the Huguenots. The greatest difficulty the cardinal had to surmount was in the king's council. He was not ignorant that by getting peace made with the Huguenots, and showing him that he was somewhat inclined to favour their cause with the king, he might expose himself to the chance of getting into bad odour at Rome but in no other way could he arrive at his majesty's ends his cloth made him suspected by the huguenots it was necessary therefore to behave so that they should think him favourable to them for by so doing he found means of waiting more conveniently for an opportunity of reducing them to the terms to which all subjects ought to be reduced in a state that is to say inability to form any separate body and liability to accept their sovereign's wishes Quote, it was a grievous thing for him to bear, to see himself so unjustly suspected at the court of Rome, and by those who affected the name of zealous Catholics. But he resolved to take patiently the rumours that were current about him, apprehending that if he had determined to clear himself of them effectually, he might not find that course of advantage to his master or the public. The cardinal, in fact, took it patiently, revising and then confirming the treaty with Spain, and imposing on the Huguenots a peace so hard that they would never have accepted it but for the hope of obtaining at a later period some assuagements, with the help of England, which refused formally to help them to carry on the war. At the first parleys the king had said, quote, I am disposed enough towards peace. I am willing to grant it to Languedoc and the other provinces. As for La Rochelle, that is another thing. End quote. Memoire de Richelieu. It was ultimately La Rochelle that paid the expenses of the war, biding the time when the proud city, which had resisted eight kings in succession, would have to succumb before Louis the Thirteenth and his all-powerful minister. Already her independence was threatened on all sides. The bastions and new fortifications had to be demolished. No armed vessel of war might be stationed in her harbour. Quote, the way was at last open, said the cardinal, to the extermination of the Huguenot party, which for a hundred years past had divided the kingdom. Memoire de Richelieu, page 17. The peace of 1626, then, was but a preliminary to war. Richelieu was preparing for it by land and sea. Vessels of war were being built, troops were being levied, and the temper of England furnished a pretext for commencing the struggle. 
King Charles I, at the instigation of his favourite, the Duke of Buckingham, had suddenly and unfeelingly dismissed the French servants of the Queen his wife, without giving her even time to say good-bye to them, insomuch that, quote, the poor princess, hearing their voices in the courtyard, dashed to the window, and breaking the glass with her head, clung with her hands to the bars, to show herself to her women, and take the last look at them. The king indignantly dragged her back with so great an effort that he tore her hands right away." Louis the Thirteenth had sent Marshal Bassompierre to England to complain of the insult done to his sister. The Duke of Buckingham wished to go in person to France to arrange the difference, but the cardinal refused. Quote, has Buckingham ever undertaken any foreign commission without going away dissatisfied and offended with the princes to whom he was sent? said Cardinal Richelieu to the king. So the favorite of Charles I resolved to go to France, quote, in other style and with other attendants than he had as yet done. Having determined to win back the good graces of the Parliament and the people of England by the succor he was about to carry to the oppressed Protestant churches, end quote, he pledged his property he sold the trading vessels captured on the coasts of france and on the seventeenth of july sixteen twenty seven he set sail with a hundred and twenty vessels heading for la rochelle soubise was on board this ship and the duke of rohan notified of the enterprise had promised to declare himself the moment the english set foot in france already he was preparing his manifesto to the churches avowing that he had summoned the english to his legitimate defence and that since the king had but lately been justified in employing the arms of the hollanders to defeat them much more reasonably might he appeal to those of the english their brethren for protection against him this time the cardinal was ready he had concluded an alliance with spain against england quote, declaring merely to the king of spain that he was already at open war with england and that he would put in practice with all the power of his forces against his own states all sorts of hostilities permissible in honourable warfare which his majesty also promised to do by the month of june sixteen twenty eight at the latest end quote. The king set out to go and take in person the command of the army intended to give the english their reception he had gone out ill from the Parliament, where he had been to have some edicts enregistered. Quote, I did nothing but tremble all the time I was holding my bed of justice, he said to Bassompierre. Quote, it is there, however, that you make others tremble, replied the marshal. Louis the Thirteenth was obliged to halt at Villeroy, where the cardinal remained with him, quote, being all day at his side, and most frequently not leaving him at night. He nevertheless had his mind constantly occupied with giving orders, taking care above everything, to let it appear before the king that he had no fear. He preferred to put himself in peril of being blamed or ruined in well-doing, rather than, in order to secure himself, to do anything which might be a cause of illness to his majesty. In point of fact, Richelieu was not without anxiety, for Sieur de Toirat, a young favourite of the king's, to whom he had entrusted the command in the island of Ray, had not provided for the defence of that place so well as had been expected. Buckingham had succeeded in effecting his descent. The French were shut up in the fort of Saint-Martin, scarcely finished as it was, and ill-provisioned. The cardinal, quote, saw to it directly, sending of his own money, because that of the king was not to be so quickly got at, and because he had at that time none to spare. He dispatched Abbé Marcillac, who was in his confidence, to see that everything was done punctually and no opportunity lost. He did not trouble himself to make reports of all the dispatches that passed, and all the orders that were within less than a fortnight given on the subject of this business during the king's illness, in order to provide for everything that was necessary, and to prepare all things in such wise that the king and France might reap from them the fruit which was shortly afterwards gathered in." 
Meanwhile, La Rochelle had closed her gates to the English, and the old Duchess of Rohan had been obliged to leave the town in order to bring Soubise in with her. Quote, Before taking any resolution, replied the Rochellais' authorities to the entreaties of the Duke, who was pressing them to lend assistance to the English, we must consult the whole body of the religion, of which La Rochelle is only one member. End quote. An assembly was already convoked to that end at Uze, and when it met on the 11th of September, the Duke of Rohan communicated to the deputies from the churches the letter of the inhabitants of La Rochelle, quote, not such a one, he said, as he could have desired, but such as he must make the best of, end quote. The King of England had granted his aid and promised not to relax until the reformers had firm repose and solid contentment, provided that they seconded his efforts. Quote, I bid you thereto in God's name, he added, and for my part, were I alone, abandoned of all, I am determined to prosecute this sacred cause even to the last drop of my blood and to the last gasp of my life. End quote. The assembly fully approved of their chief's behavior, accepting, quote, with gratitude, the King of England's powerful intervention, without, however, loosing themselves from the humble and inviolable submission which they owed to their king, end quote. The consuls of the town of Milot were bolder in their reservations. Quote, we have at diverse time experienced, they wrote to the Duke of Rohan, whilst refusing to join the movement, that violence is no certain means of obtaining observation of our edicts, for force extorts many promises, but the hatred it engenders prevents them from taking effect. The Duke was obliged to force an entrance into this small place. La Rochelle had just renounced her neutrality and taken sides with the English, quote, flattering ourselves, they said in their proclamation, that having good men for our witnesses and God for our judge, we shall experience the same assistance from his goodness as our fathers had aforetime. M. de la Milliere, the agent of the Rochellaise, wrote to one of his friends at the Duke of Rohan's quarters, quote, Sir, I am arrived from Villeroy, where the English are not held as they are at Paris to be a mere chimera only I am very apprehensive of the September tides, unless the new grape should kill us off more English than the enemy will. I am much vexed to hear nothing from your quarter to second the exploits of the English, being unable to see without shame foreigners showing more care for our welfare than we ourselves show. I know that it will not be Monsieur de Rohan's fault, nor yours, that nothing good is done. I forgot to tell you that the cardinal is very glad that he is no longer a bishop, for he has put so many rings in pawn to sell munitions to the islands, that he has nothing remaining wherewith to give the episcopal benediction. The most zealous amongst us pray God that the sea may swallow up his person as it has swallowed his goods. As for me, I am not of that number, for I belong to those who offer incense to the powers that be." It was as yet a time when the religious fatherland was dearer than the political. The French Huguenots naturally appealed for aid to all Protestant nations. It was even now an advance in national ideas to call the English who had come to the aid of La Rochelle foreigners. Toira, meanwhile, still held out in the fort of Saint-Martin, and Buckingham was beginning to, quote, abate somewhat of the absolute confidence he had felt about making himself master of it, having been so ill-advised as to write to the king his master that he would answer for it, end quote. The proof of this was that the burgess of La Rochelle, named Laleu, went to see the king with authority from the Duke of Angoulême, who commanded the army in his majesty's absence, and that he proposed that the English should retire, provided that the king would have Fort Louis dismantled. The Duke of Angoulême was inclined to accept this proposal, but the cardinal forcibly represented all the reasons against it. Quote, it will be said, perhaps, that if the island of Ré be lost, it will be very difficult to recover it. End quote. 
This he allowed, but he put forward to counterbalance this consideration another, that if honour were lost, it would never be recovered, and that if the island of Ré were lost, he considered that his majesty was bound to stick to the blockade of Rochelle, and that he might do so with success. Upon this, his majesty resolved to push the siege of Rochelle vigorously, and to give the command to Milord, his brother, quote, but monsieur was tardy as usual, not wanting to serve under the king, when the health of his majesty might permit him to return to his army, so that the cardinal wrote to President Le Coigneux, one of the favorite counsellors of the Duke of Orléans, to say that if imaginary hydras of that sort were often taking shape in the mind of monsieur, he had nothing more to say than that there would be neither pleasure nor profit in being mixed up with his affairs. As for himself, he would always do his duty." monsieur at last made up his mind to join the army and it was resolved to give aid to the forts in the island of ray it was a bold enterprise that was about to be attempted to hold la rochelle invested and not quit it and nevertheless to send the flower of the force to succour a citadel considered to be half lost to make a descent upon an island blockaded by a large naval armament quote, to expose the best part of the army to the mercy of the winds and the waves of the sea and of the english cannons and vessels in a place where there was no landing in order and under arms memoire de richelieu page three sixty one but it had to be resolved upon or the island of ray lost toiras had already sent to ask the duke of buckingham if he would receive him to terms on the eighth of october at eight a m the duke of buckingham was preparing to send a reply to the fort and he was already rejoicing quote, to see his felicity and the crowning of his labours when on nearing the citadel quote, there were exhibited to him at the ends of pikes lots of bottles of wine capons turkeys hams ox-tongues and other provisions and his vessels were saluted with lots of cannonades they having come too near in the belief that those inside had no more powder during the night the fleet which was assembled at oleron and had been at sea for two days past had succeeded in landing close to the fort bringing up reinforcements of troops provisions and munitions at the same time the king and the cardinal had just arrived at the camp before la rochelle End of section twenty seven.